Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Bra podcast, brought to you by Barbells for Boobs, where we strive to redefine the standard of care and breast health and improve quality of life post-diagnosis. I'm your host, Ziana Hansen, and I'm the founder of this incredible organization. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have Leslie LeBanc, a teacher of seventh grade, which that's God's work in my opinion, and a hopeful breast cancer thriver and a daily CrossFitter. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for calling us. Thanks for being a part of our community. And thanks for making time in Boston. She's in Boston right now. I'm in California. And anyone that <laughs> listens to the show knows that I don't like this at all. <laughs> I want to hug you and see you right in front of Aww. me. So it's okay. You a virtual yeah. hug. <laughs> thank you for the virtual hug. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you for, for reaching out and for getting on the schedule so quickly. Really appreciate it. The very first question I have for you, we're going to get really deep and deep <laughs> and scary right now. Okay. You guys, uh-huh. this is her first podcast. So <laughs> disclaimer, she's very nervous. Um, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure on this question too. <laughs> Who are you? So when I say, so this question is really, if you can share with us, where did you grow up? Where do you come from? What was that? What did your life look like before you became who you are today? Sure. Um, Okay. So I grew up um, in the Boston area. Um, I've lived a few other places, but the majority of my life has been um, pretty much around here. Um. Let's see, before I was happy, um, social, uh, uh, not the most outgoing, but definitely um, lots of social activities, um, many groups of wonderful friends that I spend a lot of time with. I, I've never been married. I don't have children. Um but I have a wonderful and supportive family uh, with my parents, my big brother, sister-in-law, and some extended family. Um, I am, as you mentioned, a teacher of seventh grade <laughs> middle school. Um, does everybody, people, okay, really quick, does everybody remember their seventh grade year? <laughs> Because mine was a disaster and I feel so bad for you as a teacher that may have had to pick and peel me off the ground through my seventh grade year. So like I said, you're yeah, doing God's work. Yeah, there's a, I don't know about that, but it's, <laughs> it's certainly interesting every day. And usually when I tell people, I get that horrified look on their face of like seventh grade and then a story such as yours that, you know, that was my worst time. Um, but yeah, I, um, I've been teaching for a long time. Um, let's see. I last year I um, started a my administrator's license, um, which would give me the license to become a principal or assistant principal or something in that ballpark. Um, so I spent last year. Um, doing the coursework, doing the interning, and then I, <laughs> I had a few projects left to complete for the state to finalize my license. And my plan was <laughs> I was going to take the first half of the summer to relax because I was uh, pretty burnt out from doing the interning and coursework and teaching full time throughout the year. So I was going to relax and enjoy the first part of the summer, um, then take a trip with my family. Uh, every year we go to a summer home in Canada where my father grew up. And then I was going to come back and in deep and finish those projects to finish my license. And things got put on hold um, as all of this unfolded. But um, still definitely looking to do that and hopefully can get back to that soon to finish it up. So in order to be a principal, is that the ultimate Mm -hmm. goal? Is that your ultimate goal is to be a principal or what type of administrative position would you aspire to be? 
Yeah, so my dream job is really to be a dean of students. Um, I come from, I, I don't currently work in this setting, um, but I many, many years of working in alternative education uh, with students with significant behavioral and emotional and learning challenges. And I would love to be a dean of students to um, help work on the relationships between teachers and students, particularly, I mean, for all of the students, but particularly the ones that um, are really struggling and help with teachers give strategies and how to see them in different lights and, um, you know, just facilitate a more supportive and empathic uh, learning environment for uh, the kids that don't have such an easy time when, <laughs> when they show up uh, to the classroom. That's incredible. Our our son is his, uh, has learning disabilities. My son is in first grade and it's what we've learned in becoming parents and especially becoming parents to a child with learning disabilities is it's all about your teacher. Like it has, yeah. it really has zero to do with the program or like his teacher this year is such a, it's such a blessing to him and he loves her with all his heart. And last year we didn't have that. And it makes such a difference in our lives. It, it really does make such a difference just having that that connection. And um, I'm so glad to hear that, that he's he's enjoying this year. No, he like, when we tell him it's Saturday, he's like, so no, so no, Miss Turner. And I'm like, no, it's just us, dude. Sorry. Like, <laughs> bummer. You oh, don't get to see Miss Turner for two days. <laughs> so I think that that's such a is. Uh, so now for a dean of school, is that something that like that only happens in the older population of students? Yeah, so typically, um, so most of my career has actually been in high school. Um, and then about five years ago, I moved to middle school. Um, and I, dean of students, you typically find in a high school. But what I've also found is that the assistant principal role, um, kind of across all grades, really, you know, that has the umbrella of having some of these same um, types of duties and, and goals. So I, I would go for either. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you have to be a teacher in order to get your administrative license? Uh, you do not. There's there's a few different pathways to get it, um, and they keep making it more and more difficult, um, which the downside of that is all of the work that goes into it. The upside is that maybe the candidate pool is going to be smaller <laughs> when mm. they get to applying. Um you know, for example, like the interning hours, I think it was initially 200 hours you had to do. And then they bumped it up to 500 and, you know, trying Whoa. to get that done while you're working full time. So, yeah, but, um, but I loved it. I, I loved the program. I love the interning. Um, and it's, it's not that I don't love my current teaching job. It's just that I, you know, this is, um, I want to look at things from a more uh, global perspective and work with, you know, students on a more global perspective and the, the school on a, um, looking at the bigger picture. Mm, that's incredible. Well, yeah. so you're on this journey to do this magnificent yes. work. And there's a little bump in the road. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? When was this bump? How long ago? What, what it walk us through getting diagnosed with breast cancer. Sure. So um, I'm a newbie to all of this. Um, I'm just a little over seven months, I think. So less than a year um, with this new normal. Um, I, it unfolded because I went for my annual physical, um, in July. I went on a Monday and I actually, I went through my physical and at, towards the end of it, my primary said, you know, he looked at my chart and said, oh, you can skip your mammogram this year. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, he gave some sort of explanation about, well, statistically, you know, it doesn't show any advantage to going annually. So since you went last year, you can skip this year. And I said, okay, but no, <laughs> I'd like to get one. Um, and he was fine with it. He said, okay, you know, yep, that's, that's your decision. 
So I left my physical. I went downstairs. It was all in one building. I had my mammogram the first day, I mean, uh, um, that same day. And later that evening, um, patient gateway, I don't know if everybody has that, but it's basically one of those systems um, that's a blessing and a curse where your results of everything just pop up through the internet and they alert I think, you. I think they only do that in Boston. I don't think that's yeah, <laughs> it's, just a Boston just, it's a Boston thing. <laughs> it's funny because I used to obsessively look at these things and, and I thought it was so cool to look at like, what's my iron level? What's my B12 level? And now I get notifications. I'm like, I don't want to open. I don't want to know my test results. So, and it's just anxiety inducing, but in any case, um, I received, um, I was checking uh, the results that evening and there was a message, something about, I don't remember exactly what it said, but something about the mammogram and needing more imaging. Um, I panicked a little bit, to be honest. So I sent a message to my primary and I said, I, I'm really anxious about this. Um, I, I don't know, like, when do I go back? I'm not the type of person that can sit around for weeks and just let this linger in my head. And he actually called me uh, that same night and said, <laughs> I really don't think you have anything to worry about. Usually it's just because the picture was blurry. Um, it's probably fine. Most women get called back a second time. I said, okay. So he eased my anxiety a little bit. Um, that was on Monday. Uh, that Wednesday, I went back for the imaging, um, the second round of imaging. Um, and they called me in the first time. Then they called me in the second time. Uh, anxiety was building for sure. And just a side note, I don't know if <laughs> if all places are like this, but there's not that much privacy. And, you know, while I was waiting in the waiting room, you know, like a herd of cattle, all of us women there and our beautiful Johnnies, um, I saw there were these two little dressing rooms and it seemed that that's where the techs or whomever would pull people in to talk to them privately. And so as I'm waiting to get my results, I clearly saw a woman get some pretty bad news and watched her uh. reaction. Um, and that really just stuck with me. And I, I think that I don't know what happened. I just know that that shouldn't have happened and probably shouldn't have been visible to all of us, um, well, mostly for her sake. Yeah, I feel like that's such a uh, private moment to get results, uh, you know, for, for anything, absolutely. any type of result for our health. Yeah. Should be yeah. A behind closed doors. I agree. That's, Agreed. that's really sad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I waited for my results and... The tech came out and she pulled me into the little dressing room and she actually handed me a piece of paper and she said the radiologist looked at it and she thinks that it is scar tissue. Um, I had had a breast reduction years ago. She said she thinks it's um, scar tissue and um, come back in six months. And she handed me a piece of paper that said, you know, come back in six months. And I looked at her and said, no. <laughs> she said she was very polite and kind, but she said, what? And I said, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, I'm not comfortable coming back in six months. Um, I want to talk to the radiologist. And she said, okay, um, there's going to be a wait. I said, I have all day. I, I will wait. Uh, so she said, okay. So I went back out in the waiting room and I waited until the radiologist had time to meet with me. And she eventually did. Um, she was really kind and I, I kept expressing my anxiety about this. And she explained to me, um, she said, you know, I'm not going to do an ultrasound because everything on you is going to light up between scar tissue and dense tissue and whatever. It's just going to look scary. Um, but she said, you know, if I had any inkling that this was something serious, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think you're absolutely fine. I'm not worried about anything. I just want you to come back in six months just so we can monitor that area. 
And, you know, I pushed and I pushed, (laughs) I pushed and she convinced me that, you know, it's fine. All is well. Go, you know, go home. I said, okay. So I left. Um, I still didn't feel right about it because thinking something is scar tissue didn't, wasn't the same as somebody saying it is scar tissue. (laughs) And I I didn't like that um, ambiguity. But I, you know, I told myself I'm always overreacting and, you know, always anxious about things. So just let it go. So that night, like eight o'clock at night, my phone rings and, you know, I was getting ready for bed. I go to bed early. I'm a teacher. <laughs> no, eight, um, eight o'clock is my bedtime. There, there's, no, okay, right. there's no judgment <laughs> I <just> here. Re- <laughs> I realize how ridiculous that might sound to some people. <laughs> so we're, we're cutting um, it. We're cutting it really close right now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so um, I, I picked up the phone and she said, you know, hi, this is so-and-so. And immediately, I don't, I don't know. My heart just sank because, you know, what radiologist calls you eight o'clock on a Wednesday night for anything good? Um and she said, uh, she said, you know, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about your case and I went back over your images and something isn't sitting right with me. Um, so I want you to go ahead and get a biopsy um, just so that we can be 100% clear. Um, and, you know, a side note to this, I have... I have so many mixed emotions about this because, you know, I, I want the message to be how important that self-advocacy is because had I listened to my primary, I would have waited at least a year to get my mammogram. And then with the radiologist, um, I don't, you know, had I left when the tech said, come back in six months, then I would have, you know, been at least six months out. And then I question the radio, you know, whether the radiologist, I don't know, you know, she may go home every night and look over every case. Um, I'm not sure. I question if it was because I put up such a fuss that that just, you know, drew her in to take a second look at it. Um, I hold no ill will because I don't care what the reason was that she went back in and decided to take another look because, you know, she theoretically could have saved my life by doing that. So I am extremely grateful. Um, Do you think, do you think that their hesitation and their, uh, they were, in my opinion, very nonchalant about you getting screened. Was it because of your age? How old were you at the time? Or how old were you seven uh, months ago? <laughs> <laughs> I was 40. Yeah, I was 41. So I had had one, you know, the routine one at 40. And, you know, he, my primary had just said, you know, they, they say that every two years is, is adequate. Um, Which I, I don't know. I kind of want to talk through this because not only did you have to advocate once for yourself, but I felt like you had to advocate a few more times for them, for you to really raise this concern. And the thing that is disturbing to me is that how many women would not advocate for themselves? And yeah. I, I mean, just even once, like you advocated for yourself three right. or four times in, in a day. <laughs> so number one, good for you. And I'm super proud of you for standing up and saying, hey, just because you have a a license or a doctorate degree in, in medicine doesn't mean that you, that you can treat me like a statistic. And, and I think that that is, this is something that I think that every medical professional needs to hear is I understand there's statistics out there, but we should be treating the individual. And I think that her calling you at 8 p.m. was her treating yeah. you as an individual, which I'm very proud of her for doing that. Same. You know, Same. so and I think that that the, again, even when I hear and I hear these stories of women are like, yeah, they just called me on the phone and they were like, yeah, you have breast cancer. Like it's nothing. At the end of the day, our medical professionals, they're 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 giving people traumatic news all day long. So they've had right. to come up, like they, they almost have to treat you like a number. So I'm not mad at them for having to disconnect their their emotions to your health, you know? But 
I also feel that if we just take it to that extra, that just that extra step for everybody to say, let's make sure that you're okay and give you, she could have easily given you more peace of mind earlier that day. Yeah. Um, but I'm, okay. I'm thankful that she still, you know, went out of her way to call you and, and basically push you to ultimately get the biopsy. So what happens after, yeah. after the, that evening, was it pretty immediate yeah. that they performed the biopsy? <laughs> yeah. So my physical was on a Monday. I went for the second round of imaging on a Wednesday and I went for my biopsy on that Friday. Um, things, things moved quickly. Um, I, um, I went in, uh, and she actually had, uh, she recommended, um, a breast surgeon that she thought was just fantastic. And she said, you know, when you go for your biopsy, I'm going to have her come and meet with you just because I think it would be good for you to be in touch, you know, for the future, just because you do have dense tissue and whatnot, you know, she can help us, um, navigate some things. So when I went for my biopsy, this, uh, breast surgeon came in and, and did her and me a favor and met with me and pulled me in to do an exam before my biopsy. And she said, um, you know, I, I obviously nothing's a hundred percent, but I would be very surprised if this came back as anything. I don't feel anything. I don't think it's anything. Um, so all of this is making it kind of hard to rebuild some trust with, <laughs> you know, the medical fields because I, I get it. But after you're told, you know, multiple times in a row that it's probably nothing and that I don't, you know, I'd be surprised if it's something and then it comes back the other way. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to rebuild that trust. It is um, really but, hard, but you know, here's, here's the one thing I will take from this is I'm going to hope that they never say that to a woman again. So I think that's that we all learn by doing and that that's the, the best lesson in life is you got to do it. And so by them, in my opinion, telling you that this is nothing and then it becoming something, I hope that that was a big lesson in their practice to never assume ever again. I and hope so too. And I was actually with a, with a group of um, other survivors recently. Um, we, we met up um, at somebody's house and there were, <laughs> um, I think at least two others that had the same experience where their doctors said, Oh, you know, this, I know there's no way this is anything, or I'd be very surprised. And then it was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. So I, I agree. I, I think that maybe getting this message out and, you know, not say that, um, and Certainly. that's, and that's what we can hope yeah. for, you know, and that's, yeah. 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 that's one right. thing that can give you some peace of mind that unfortunately you weren't given that, um, that just rawness of like, Hey, you might have cancer. We never, we don't know, you know, like, right. Hey, nobody right. knows if you have cancer. We're all, we are right. all at risk of getting cancer. So the fact sure. that any medical professional should say, this is no big deal is crazy mm -hmm. to me because one in eight women will get breast cancer in their lifetime in our country. So I think it needs to be more of, hey, there's a chance because one in eight women will right. get it in their lifetime. You might be the one in eight. Like, I don't know, but we're going to test and we're right. going to find right. out. And Let's figure it out. Yeah, exactly. we'll figure it out and exactly. we'll have, we'll work with you on a treatment plan, but uh, we hope it's right. nothing, but the chances are that yeah. there might be something here. We're going to, we're going to triple check, you know, and make, yep. and give you that peace of mind. So agree. Yeah, definitely not the first time I've heard this either. So yeah. I'm hoping the more and more women this happens to, the more and more awareness builds and it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. So you get your biopsy. Um, so, yeah. So my biopsy was on that Friday and we were supposed to leave for that um, trip uh, traveling uh, early the next week. So the, uh, surgeon put in for, to get the results, um, more quickly. So I knew that I would find out on Monday, um, 
<laughs> that was not a fun weekend. I was going to say that. I hope that wasn't 4th of July weekend, was it? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was later in the month. Okay. Um, so Monday rolls around and, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, at this point, um, my immediate family knew, but I, I didn't tell anybody else. Um, I actually was hanging out at a friend's house, you know, by her pool for most of the day, trying to distract myself, but just you know, anxiously waiting by my phone. Uh, no call, no call, no call. Um, I knew that these, um, I, I think the plan was for the surgeon that I had met with. She told me that she would be the one calling me, um, on Monday. Did you, did you think in your head that, that weekend, what did your gut tell you? uh, I, I don't know, you know, like in your head, were you like, I have cancer. You know, sometimes we, we just know things and, and uh, women's intuition is the, the yeah, probably the most honest you know, thing in the world. <laughs> what was your intuition that weekend? It's such a strange thing because I know this is going to sound crazy, but I, a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago or something, I had started to feel something different, like on my right breast, um, not a lump or anything. Um, and I also chalked it up to scar tissue. And then I had subsequently had a mammogram, um, after that. Um, and then actually I even went to my primary, uh, at one point because something just felt a little bit off above it in my chest. And I was nervous about that. And he checked it out and said it was fine. Um, and when I got the results, for some reason, because it said it was the right side, had it been the left side, I would have thought, no, oh, it's probably nothing. But because I had already been thinking something about the right side, and then the imaging came back as suspicious for the right side, I, I think if I'm honest with myself, something deep down in my gut, you know, like you said, that, that women's intuition um, I think I just knew, um, I tried to convince myself of otherwise. And I knew my family was, you know, just kind of waiting by the phone. And so I was envisioning, I was, I was getting so excited to send the group text to say, Hey, I got the call. I'm, I'm all clear. Good. Yeah. You know, I just kept waiting for that moment, um, to ease all of their minds and to celebrate. Um, that's not what happened. (laughs) So I, so Friday night, Friday afternoon, um, probably around five o'clock, uh, I see my primary doctor's name pop up on my phone calling and I answered and (laughs) he had thought that the surgeon already called me to give me the news. No, Um, it was very clear that he was not prepared to be the one to tell me. Um, I think he was just being courteous in giving a follow-up phone call. Um, no. So he was, yeah. So he was shocked to be, have to be the one to tell me. Mm. Um, and you know, he said, I, I know you talked to Dr. So-and-so I said, no, I haven't. I've been waiting by the phone all day. And he was just shocked and said, Oh, I, I, I thought you did. He said, no. And then he said, well, I'm sorry. And then like most stories go, you just black out. As soon as you hear the, I'm sorry to say, you Mm -hmm. just, everything else is, you know, a blur. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he asked if I was alone and if I could call somebody. And I I think I wanted to get him off the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have, uh, did you have a pretty good relationship with your primary? Yeah. or was it, or is it like your normal primary where it's like, I see him once a year. He doesn't, That's about it. he kind of yeah, remembers yeah. me. Don't know if he really That's does it. remember me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He was like, a, he was a nice enough guy. You know, I've seen him for, you know, several years, but I certainly wouldn't say we have a, a close relationship by any means. Okay. Um, yeah. So he called with that. I hung up the phone. I, uh, immediately called, um, my brother, um, who is, uh, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. I'd get emotional about that part. Um, he is my best friend, um, my big brother and thank God he is, um, 
you know, just very even keeled and practical. And when I called him hysterical to tell him, um, I don't remember his exact words, but it was something like, okay, Mm. so, you know, we know, and we're going to fix it and it's going to be okay. And, um, did you know that your brother was going to be the first person you called? I always think that's interesting. Like who the first person is that, that wanted to call (laughs) after that diagnosis. Was that, was that, did did you know that's who was going to be your number one was your brother? I did. He was the one I actually, he was the one that I told when I got, um, the request to come back for more imaging. I hadn't told my parents at that point. Uh, um, excuse me. Um, I didn't tell uh, my parents until I had to go for the biopsy. So yeah, my brother was the one again, you know, through that part and then through, uh, getting the results was just, okay, you know, we'll figure it out. And if it is something we'll figure it out and it's all going to be okay. Um, he, he tends to be the one that I, (laughs) I go to for anything that's big in my life. Um, he just usually has sound advice and is the perfect balance to my like neurotic overreacting <laughs> anxious. Like the world is ending, you know. Um, I think we as women all need that type of man in our life. Like <laughs> we really, really do. Like, yeah, I think that it, that's it, why there's <laughs> yin and yang. And, like there's man and woman, and not to say there's sometimes what I wish my husband was a woman, but. Uh, but I think for the most part, I'm super grateful that I, that, that <laughs> he's I mean, looking at me it, right yeah. now. He's looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yes. it's, it was definitely helpful. And he actually, he, he volunteered to be the one to call. We're a very close family. Um, and he volunteered to be the one to call my parents and tell them. Was that um, just going to be way too hard for you? Was that just something you're like, I can't do this? I don't even know what I was doing at this point. I was barely functioning. He said, I'm going to call them. So he called them. They called me and they live about an hour away. Um, And they said, you know, by this point, it's probably seven o'clock at night. I don't know. And they called. um, They were both, you know, also very even keeled and very, you know, okay, we got the news. We're going to be okay. We're going to take care of this. Pack a bag. We're on our way to pick you up. And I was like, what? No, it's, it's dark out. It's, it's my, it's and almost like, my bedtime. I can't leave. <laughs> and they're like, we are, we are getting in the car. We are coming to get you pack a bag. You're coming up here to be with us. Were you, um, were you <laughs> off for the summer? Were you not teaching that summer? Were yeah, you? I was off. Exactly. I was off, um, with the intention of finishing that, that, the, wow. the work for that, uh, the admin license. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, that, that worked out to have that time off. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so that was that. So they came to get me the, um, you know, it was a whirlwind after that. Um, I met with, uh, the hospital that I am treated at works with a multidisciplinary team. And so about, uh, maybe a week or two later, I met with, um, you know, I was there all day long meeting with everybody from nurses to radiation oncologists, my oncologist, to the breast surgeon, to the genetic counselor, to a lymphedema specialist. (laughs) Like they just throw everybody at you at once. Um, and you get an entire team. (laughs) You get an entire team. Mm -hmm. And I had, um, I had my uh, surgery on uh, August 20th. So from the time of my physical to my surgery was just a tiny bit over a month. So things moved, moved pretty quickly. And do uh, what stage were you diagnosed at? Uh, stage one. Okay. Yep. And so you had your surgery. Did you have to do chemo, radiation? I did radiation. Yeah. So, um, I think we briefly talked about this um, before this, but during the team meetings, um, and I, I still struggle with this sometimes, which I think, so I think it's important to talk about, um, I was given some options for surgery 
And my entire team felt like a lumpectomy was adequate for my individual situation. Um, they, they, we waited a little bit to get genetic testing back, but the, the information that was passed on to me was if your genetic testing is back negative, um, all, you know, based on the size and the your individual situation, um, we don't think the mastectomy is necessary. Um, this is something that I, I still struggle with. I, my oncologist probably hates me because I, I still <laughs> am like, are you sure that was the right move? Um, it was a really difficult decision for me. Um, I, I totally understand. There are some cases where a mastectomy is, I mean, it, there's no doubt, like you need to do it. Um, I think there are some cases where it's like, well, maybe, but maybe you could do this. And then I think in my case, it was a lumpectomy is, is completely adequate for your situation. And my team had to explain to me over and over again, um, because I told them, I said, I don't care, take what you want to take, like Mm -hmm. whatever you need. I, I, I respect, you know, every woman's individual, um, experience with this indecision, but I was of the mindset of like, I don't give a crap, take them. If that's going to, you know, decrease my chance of recurrence, if that's going to, um, whatever, give me the best odds and do it. And, uh, they said, no, um, you know, they, they broke down all the numbers for me, the statistics and my oncologist, um, he still has to go through this with me <laughs> every time I meet with him, um, having the discussion with me about uh, more aggressive does not mean better. Right. Um, yeah. The hospital that I'm at, um, they're actually really focused. Um, they're pretty progressive and they are um, they have a strong focus on breast um, conservation uh, um surgeries uh, for women with breast cancer. Uh, again, clarifying that if, and what they said to me, if they thought there was any need whatsoever, then of course they do it. Um, but they didn't. And they did, however, say, you know, if you, if you want to, you absolutely have that option to get the mastectomy and we will do it for you and we will support you. Um, because, you know, if you're going to go home every night and be panicked about it, if you need to do it for um, emotional, you know, reasons and for your own sanity, which is reason enough, mm-hmm. um, I get it, um, then then you can make that decision. And I don't know, I had to think about it. And I realized, you know, so the message to me was um, they would support me in doing the mastectomy. Um, but I also knew that if I had chosen that route, it was purely for emotional reasons, um, versus medical reasons. I will say Um, that, uh, with the women that are part of our community, I, we have 98% of our women in the the rad community have had mastectomies. If that just kind of gives you a, an understanding of how many women are being recommended a mastectomy like it's a it's a big topic in the breast cancer world it's a huge topic and 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 i and i think this is why you know and it's I, i i still grapple with it um if i'm being honest because of that right so i'm part of that community and i see everybody talking about Again, there are some women that it was clear cut, like there was no option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see, you know, there's a lot of women that made that choice to have it, which I, I think is great. Everybody needs to do what what is best for them. But, you know, sometimes it, 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 it there's some doubt in my mind about my own situation and it causes some anxiety. Um, and this is where I, I have to just you know, hand this over to my medical team. Um, I actually went for a, a second opinion at Dana Farber. Um, 
And it was after the fact, so I don't know what that would have done. Maybe they, you know, but I just, I, you know, I guess anything could have been done, but I I went and um, they actually, they agreed and they said that, you know, I'm welcome to go be treated there if I wanted to, but they would not have changed my treatment plan at all. Um, They would have done all the same recommendations and that eased my anxiety a little bit, but it's still hard, right? Because you think like... I, well, I just want it gone, like take it out. And they're telling me, well, it, it is gone and <laughs> right. it is taken out and we don't need to take any more. Uh, but I, I think that it's a good thing to get a second opinion. And I see it a lot on the support group where women are really leaning on each other for this, you know, kind of a, a medical really that I think that you should be working with your medical team on making these decisions. Yeah. I think it's good to get some peer advice and mm-hmm. um, and kind of just have a, a place to kind of just vent on it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I, I commend you for just going and getting a second opinion because I do think that that is really going to get you closer to your truth of what you need to do mm-hmm. as an individual. So, um, I highly agreed, recommend second agreed. opinions. Um, yeah, yeah. Me, me too. I, I, speaking of the big brother, I remember asking him <laughs> if he thought I should go for a second opinion. And he said something like, Leslie, you know, a couple of years ago, you hurt your ankle and you sought out like the top four, you know, orthopedic doctors in the state, you know, just so you could get back to the gym. And like, yeah. And so, so yes, yes you know, get a second opinion. This is your health we're talking about. It's not, a, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. So I'm glad I went. Um, I did not have to do uh, chemo. Um, we had to wait. Um, I didn't know whether or not I was going to need to do it until I got um, the onco uh, type score um, from the tumor. Um, my lymph nodes tested negative, thankfully, um, from the surgery. And then the next piece to decide about chemo was um, when you get that onco score. And uh, my oncologist had thought that mine uh, might be on, you know, on the verge or right on the line of, yeah, there, there could be some benefit to doing it. And I'm so grateful that it wasn't on the line because I didn't really want to have to make more decisions. Yeah. Um, it came back lower um, than we had expected. And it was, you know, I, I guess clearly within the realm of there's no benefit to doing chemo um, for you. Um, so the plan was to just move ahead with radiation. And so I did that for for just about a month, about four weeks. And are you completely out of treatment now? Uh, So I started, I I finished radiation, um, I think the middle of November. And then I started tamoxifen uh, the end of November. So I'm a few months into that. So uh, I know that we've had this discussion on our Facebook uh, support group when it comes to identify, identifying yourself um, <laughs> and, and the word survivor and, you know, this word yeah. thriver and I, what are you, you're so freshly new out of a diagnosis. Yep. Like I, it's, it's, it's um, inspiring for me to even have you share your story because it's so fresh and so new um, that I'm, I'm inspired because a lot of people, it just takes time to process everything that they've been through. And where are you at right now, as far as your identification being so freshly diagnosed, just being so fresh out of treatment, do you consider yourself surviving? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm alive. So <laughs> I guess in terms of that, but yeah, it's, I, I, I get stumped. Um, and that was the discussion that had come up on that support page because I didn't know, you know, do I tell somebody I have cancer? I had cancer. And, you know, we're just talking about a verb tense here, but it's such a loaded verb. And I, I don't even know. I don't even know the answer to that. Um, and and, and, I, and I ask this and I want to talk about this because even, you know, I run a breast cancer organization and I 
tippy toe around the word, you know, and I tippy toe around it because I'm like, what does that even mean? And so that's why I like to identify you all as rad. Number one, because I think you're rad. And then also (laughs) really at the end of the day, what I think that you are, you are a resource after diagnosis. Like that's what rad stands for. And you're a resource for anybody that's been through it. This podcast is a resource. The Facebook group, you sharing your anxiety, your concerns, your struggles, like you now become the minute you get diagnosed. I feel like what you are is a resource now to help somebody else. I, I think that, that that makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with the word survivor right now. I don't, I don't know if that's something that comes with time. I don't know if I feel like I have to earn that at some point. Um, thriver. I don't know because I'm, I'm a baby, you know, like you said, new to all of this. Um, I, (laughs) it's funny how words hit us. I, I, for some reason really hated the word like warrior and fighter (laughs) for a while. I think that that just was too real for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, because it meant there was something that I had to fight and that just meant that this was a, a real situation. But, um, I, yeah, I, I like your idea. I think we are, I think we are resources. I think we are, you know, women, we are daughters, we are friends, we are teachers, Tears, we, yes. are, we are who we are. Um, and whatever makes people feel comfortable for identifying. And I, I, I just assume that will come, come in, in time with me. I'll just call, um, I'll just call you rad in the meantime. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. And, and I, and I understand because I'm stuck on the word as well, like losing my sister. I don't like, yeah. you know, me labeled as a co-survivor when you lose somebody or you're, you're no longer caring for them. You're no longer this in this co-position. You're, um, like I, I'm literally lost on what, how to identify myself of a co-survivor that has lost somebody to breast cancer. But the only way I can tangibly think about it is I am a resource. And so by me even sharing my sister's story on this podcast, I become a resource to maybe somebody that has lost somebody to breast cancer or somebody that's in those final stages of losing somebody uh, to breast cancer. And so I think that that is to me the most powerful. Yeah, I think that that's the most powerful word and um, identification that we can all give ourselves is we are just a resource. That's, I mean, right. and that's a gift, you know, for everything that we've all been through in breast cancer, sure. we, we have sure. to, some of, it has to matter, right? Like at the <laughs> end, it has to matter to somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So were you in CrossFit when you were diagnosed? Yeah. Yep. And how did, how, like, let's talk through what your fitness looked like. How did you find barbells for boobs? Kind of, I know they, your gym just put on an event for you and that caused some (laughs) amazing (laughs) conversations on our Facebook group. (laughs) Let's talk through, let's talk about like your fitness, your, your regimen, your community and how you found, uh, how you found us. Yeah, I, um, I, so about five, I think I started CrossFit about five years ago. Um, I was really out of shape and, you know, had a lot of weight to lose. And over the past several years, um, uh, particularly the past two years, I really, um, you know, delved much more deeply into nutrition and fitness. Um, and so I, um, you know, I'm an active member at my CrossFit gym, which you, you know what those communities are like. It's just the best community there. Um, and, you know, I'm <laughs> before this, when you asked if I identify as a CrossFitter, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know, because like, <laughs> you know, I still can't do a pull up. So does that make me like a non CrossFitter? But do I show up there multiple times a week? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's a huge part of my life. Um, uh, and thank God, you know, I, I, as I had said to, um, to the people at my gym, I always knew that that community was important, but I never knew how important, uh, you know, just how important they would be, um, until, you know, the past seven months or so. Um, and it's, it's, it's honestly my, 
you know, I still have many days where I'm just worked up and there's a lot of emotions going on and I, I don't know what to do with myself. And every time I get to that point, I, I'm like, go to the gym. And, and I, I just take myself there. It is my first go-to. That, um, that is a real, that that's something that we should really identify because I had a, we have a, a little gym here at our headquarters. And last week I had a survivor come in and she said, I came here instead of going to the ER. And I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> How can we help you? <laughs> like, you want to work I, out? Honestly, yeah, yeah. It just, I don't, you know, I, because I know it's, it, it may not be great after, but it's always better. And it's where you just find, you know, it, it can be anything. It might be, I might be tearing up in the locker room and I know that I'm going to have a group of the most amazing girls, you know, there with me. It might be, I don't feel well enough to, or strong enough to work out today. And maybe they're rallying with me on a I'm a pretty private person, so they know to do it like <laughs> on the down low with right, me. Right, right. But they can just look at me and provide that support. And I know that when I show up there, I'm going to get strength. I know I'm going to get love. I know that I'm going to feel hopeful and I'm going to move my body, um, which, you know, we, we know the benefits of that. And um, yeah, so, so very grateful for that. As for barbells for boobs, um, I actually started following you guys, uh, oh my goodness, like years ago, um, as soon as I, I don't know how, it must have been on Facebook or I saw an event or a t-shirt or something. Um, and I just thought it was cool. And I started by just following you and I bought a t-shirt and I don't know, made a donation or something. <laughs> um, and, um, never knew that it was going to actually be a big part of your life. <laughs> I didn't. And, and, you know, <laughs> thanks to you guys. So that first day, that first night that I was diagnosed, I think it was maybe a day or two later. Um, it was very soon after, um, still nobody except my immediate family knew I honest to God, didn't know what to do with myself. And <laughs> I went to your website and the little box popped up with like, Hey, how can we help you? And I said, I was like, I was just diagnosed. I don't even know what to do with myself. And I got the response about, well, here's what you can do. You can join our rad page. There's a group of women there for support. Um, so you guys were literally my first resource that I went to, um, oh, when I I'm literally you know, like, I have tears in my eyes right now and I have goosebumps all over my body because my, I'm oh, looking up no, like, like my husband and I answer the chats. Um, and so I'm yeah. looking at him right now and he's, he's like rem remembering answering your, your chat. And so, yeah, um, yeah. His, his name is the one that popped up. I just didn't know if it was actually him or not, but I, <laughs> and he was just, okay. So it was him. So, so thank you. Yeah. But um, it was probably like, fine. Hey Z, what do I tell, what do I tell this woman? <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, Oh my yeah. God, get her on Facebook. Do this, do this. No, he's, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. no, he knows every step of the way he knows he's built yeah. everything that we have here. So he's very aware. So, Oh my goodness. That is, um, yeah, and it took me, it took me like a couple days to, <laughs> it was weird. Like, again, the reality still didn't, you know, I just couldn't quite grasp it. And I was, I was nervous about what I was going to see on that page. And like, am I really doing this? And I, um, I joined shortly after and that page has been those women, um, you guys, it, it's been my go-to, um, I, you know, if I, I've, I talk to some of the women, like in a private chat off of that, that I've become friendly with, um, I go there for support. If I have questions, I love, love, love the balance of the page. I actually, I recently joined another online support group and I had to take myself off of it because, um, I, I it just wasn't for me. I just found it really triggering. And the, the rad page just has such a nice balance of, um, yes, there's serious stuff and, you know, lots of struggles, but there's also so much hope and, and, and motivation and inspiration. And, motivation. Yeah. And, and it's a bunch of women that are living like a similar lifestyle because you think other people, you know, their reaction might be like, 
you were just diagnosed with breast cancer. Why do you care about when you can get back to the gym? Mm -hmm. Like, well, because I need to know. (laughs) I need an exact date. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, it's so crazy because you think about, there's so many support groups out there and okay, you have breast cancer. So there's a support group for that, right? Then it's like, you're young and you have breast cancer. So then there's another level of support there. And then there's, you're young, you're breast, you have breast cancer, and you're an athlete, that's a whole other level of support. And that's really yeah. what we have. And and I identify you all as athletes. Anybody that lives an active lifestyle or is aware of their <laughs> like I'm glad you clarified that because when you said athlete, <laughs> I was like, You're no, you're an athlete. I I saw you doing I saw you picking up some weight uh, on our <laughs> on Facebook. So I, I, yeah. I think that that's what's so what sets sets ours so different from a lot of other support groups is the, the mindset that it takes to be an athlete, to be physically active and be thinking about that on a daily basis, it's it's a yeah. very unique mindset, um, especially when you are getting through a trauma, right? So yeah. what I've learned in what breast cancer is, is it's trauma, what your body goes through emotionally, physically, mentally, all these things. And so you all have a similar way of how you cope with trauma. And that's what makes that group so special uh, and, and so relatable. It's just such a relatable group. So good. I'm glad it's helping. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I would be lost without you guys. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, it, I it, it reminds me why I'm, I'm I wake up every day and no, think, no, no, seriously, it's been uh, being able to build the RAD program and actually know the people that we get to help is been so motivating for us here at Barbell Street Boobs and knowing that you guys have, like, I can talk to you all and that you can talk to me and we can host podcasts. Um, but because for so long, we never met anybody that we helped on the early detection yeah. side. And so it's been such a, a, uh, it's been very refreshing here at Barbell Street Boobs to be able to know the people that we're helping and we're serving. And in turn, you all know us and it's a true resource, you know, it's a true relationship yeah. that we're building. So, um, I feel very fortunate that I feel very fortunate that breast cancer found me in some weird, yeah. crazy way. <laughs> um, what would you say? Here's my last question. Sure. Roll your sleeves up. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. has been your largest lesson from breast cancer? Ooh. Um. I think I have two. Um, the first one is uh, because I, I, I do think this is a, an important um, and vulnerable <laughs> um, message to share um, is that I am learning the power of the word and um, in terms of I, I was really struggling with because I was feeling things like anger and grief and sadness and panic and fear. And then I was feeling a lot of guilt about that because I know that there are many women um, who are in uh, a much more serious situation than I am. And I, I struggled for a while, you know, feeling that guilt. And so I am working on, um, the idea that I can be angry and I can be grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be sad and I can consider myself lucky. Um, I can, you know, be thankful and I can have bad days. Um, and I, I think there, for me at least, um, again, one of the, one of the great times that, the rad group helped me out was when this was all unfolding, I felt this really strange pressure to like put a big pink bow on myself and start talking about all of these amazing life lessons that this brought me. And I, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to be a downer for people, but I also didn't want to share, you know, my, my real truth with people that it, it was and is, it's hard. And I think 
one of my lessons is, um, or one of my takeaways is that it's okay for us to not be okay sometimes. And, um, you know, today might not be a good day, but tomorrow could be a better day. And that's, that's just how it goes. So that would be the one lesson. And then the other lesson, um, that I'm working on is really, I, you know, it sounds so cliche and I'm sure we, we all get to this point. Um, but I think just, just slowing down and, um, really working on that gratitude and really working on staying just as present as I can in the moment, um, trying to control my fears about the future and all of the what ifs and trying to spend more time thinking about what can I do right now in this moment that I'm going to be happy about? Because yes, I have had, I don't know, breast cancer. Um, and yes, something could, could come out of, could come back in the future, you know, God willing it doesn't, but you know, nobody knows what's ahead of them in the future. So why should that dictate, you know, why should that rule my life right now? Why should that fear rule my life? I don't know. I could have walked outside and been hit by a bus. So (laughs) you just don't know. Um, So really just the lesson has been to slow down, um, do things that make me happy, you know, stop sweating the small stuff, do things that matter. And, uh, you know, just working on being grateful and spreading love as much as I can. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think that especially when you're in this, especially with what you were trying to achieve over the summer, like you're planning life and then life happens type of (laughs) message, right? It's like, we're all, Mm -hmm. I'm a big planner. I'm a big like, oh, this is what I want to do this year. And I forecast a lot of my life and I think that doing the work that I get to do every day day really does ground me because you have no control over what tomorrow looks like, zero. And so living in the moments and really, really finding that joy in that in your life every day instead of thinking that something more is going to make you better or bigger. So so great lessons. Great lessons. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I just, I just, I, I hope that, I mean, I think you get it, but just my gratitude for you guys, for having this organization, for the women that are part of it. Um, you know, I know a lot of them will be listening to this for other women that are listening. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so appreciative of the work that you guys do. Um, like you've mentioned, we just had our barbells for boobs event at the gym. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just I can't say th- I, I I don't know how to, I'm I'm stumped for words to express um, how much your organization is helping me get through this. Oh, and I, I just hope that you because I know those hours that <laughs> you guys put into this, um, and I you know I don't know that I well I know there's no way we could ever repay you, but. Um, I will I say this, there's, there's nothing else I'd rather do with my days outside of okay. hanging out with my son <laughs> and my husband outside of my family time, which I truly enjoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is where I was, this is where I'm meant to be every day. So I'm truly grateful that I get to do something about this and I get to be a leader um, for you when maybe you don't know where you're going. And I can help guide in whatever resource I can give. And hopefully it's paving a road that's going to make you better um, and improve you as an individual. And that's that's all we want to do here. And so we're so grateful that that we've been able to have the opportunity to do this. Like it's seriously the best gig ever. (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, I don't know how to explain great. it. It's like, this is what I get to <laughs> yeah. do every day. Like, great, crazy. <laughs> well, we're lucky. We're lucky to have we're, you. We're all lucky. So yeah. the lesson for today is <sighs> use the word and more often, people. Mm. <laughs> if you have a negative <laughs> thought, say and, and then add a positive thought. 
If you have a positive thought, right. add Anne, and there might be a negative one right behind it. <laughs> That's all right. Yep. The, lesson one moment from, <laughs> the lesson from our seventh grade teacher today. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing your story. I think that you're so brave for being so fresh out of diagnosis. And, and um, I think that this is going to help somebody newly diagnosed because you're so freshly out of it and um, hearing really so closely how everything, how fast everything happens, how much we have to advocate for ourselves and how mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we actually have no control over what's happening. Um, we just yeah. get to, we only have control over how we respond to what's happening. And I think you're doing a beautiful job with that. So congratulations. Wow, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And yes. thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> Well, everyone, that's it for today's show. I want to thank our engineer, our sound engineer, our voice engineer, our editing engineer, Christopher Hansen. And he also answers the chats, as we all know from Leslie's podcast. Have a great day. Peace out. <laughs>